0: I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com.
1: This is RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Welcome. Today's topic is China's demographic decline, and our guest is Nate Fischler. He's Reins Asia-Pacific analyst. Nate has written extensively on China's demographics and points out that population decline is but one of many demographic issues that China faces. Nate, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
1: It is great to have you. What is going on with China's demographics?
0: Yeah. um, So on January 17th, we got some some news coming out of China for the first time since the 1960s. The Bureau of National Statistics reported a shrinking population last year in 2022. Uh, They reported a decline of 850,000 people. Um, This is by, of course, official reckoning. And significantly, a caveat to this is the proportion of women in China, age 25 to 35, fell by a a a measure of 4 million. Um, And this highlights the the country's gender disparity. So in in total, we have 956 million people who were born last year against uh, 10.41 million people who who died. These are fewer births than in 1961, when China last registered a population decline amid a cataclysmic famine brought on by the Great Leap Forward, and the country had half as many people. Um, So In addition to that, fertility rates have also been impacted by three years of China's strict zero-COVID policy. This further disincentivized having children, contributing to to this trend. In truth, though, China's population has been experiencing decreasing fertility rates for decades. Uh, In the earlier years, this was, of course, by design, as realized through the one-child policy, which was only ended in 2015. And to the likely dismay of policymakers, Lifting the one-child policy did not subsequently result in an increased fertility rate, and this has perpetually dropped in the years since. Um, So China's fertility rate now stands at about 1.16 children per woman, which is far short of the standard replacement level of 2.1, and this continues to drop, uh, pretending a shrinking population for the foreseeable future. When taking the official numbers with a grain of salt, owing to China's tendency to massage key statistics... The situation may, in fact, be uh, more stark. In addition to dropping fertility rates, China's population is also experiencing rapid aging, with a life expectancy now around 78, which is the oldest in the country's recorded history. Uh, As such, while the population is shrinking, the share of elderly dependents is growing rapidly. Those aged 65 and over make up around 13.5% of the population, compared to a more manageable 5% in 1980. This 13.5% mark is nearly double what the United Nations considers an aged population, and it will only grow. Um, Long-term projections, China's population could have by the end of the century. So this is a, a real ongoing phenomenon.
1: And Nate, let's talk about this phenomenon in reality. Is this a crisis for China?
0: well that, you know, that's a complicated question the short answer is it very well could be but it's not inevitable and actually by some measure this is a sort of natural and expected outcome china does have several demographic related challenges that it must deal with in the immediate term among the most pressing is the burden of retired dependence on public expenditure in the forms of healthcare and pensions, as the government reaps less revenue from the working population, this, of course, threatens a crisis by posing the risk of collapsing the public pension system. Um, that's a quick example, but observers may be quick to jump the gun on alluding to this phenomenon as a sort of doomsday scenario. South Korea and Japan, for example, are likewise experiencing endemic population decline without the calls for alarm that you typically hear with respect to China. Um, So in reality, China is undergoing a middle-income transition, which is not wholly dissimilar to what other countries in the region went through. This model involves low-income, high-growth stages, leading to middle-income, middle-growth stages that then require innovation, reform, and boosted per capita productivity to lead to a high-income, slow-growth stage. Um, Therefore, much will depend on the success of China's attempts to escape this so-called middle-income trap. Among typical byproducts of this transition are drastic cultural and social adjustments. These include what have been seen in developed countries, namely urbanization, women joining the workforce, greater access to education, more emphasis on career opportunities, higher costs of living and child rearing, a general deterioration of traditional social norms and marriage rates, and of course, lower fertility rates. However, China faces particularly daunting difficulties as it undergoes what is otherwise a typical socioeconomic phenomenon, due to its sheer scope, unique geopolitical challenges, and shrinking population. Uh, China's population, geographic size, industrial capacity, still dwarf almost every other country, and taking on this middle-income transition at such a massive scale and under such unwieldy circumstances has never before been attempted. A decreasing population, particularly among the working-age cohort, risks plummeting economic growth, In the absence of significantly increased per capita productivity, so this will be a priority, um, boosting China's growth in productivity per capita, and this is where productivity outpaces labor force decline, and per capita GDP as opposed to total GDP growth are key to averting a greater crisis.
1: So I'm assuming that Beijing has a plan to deal with this. What will China do to ameliorate this situation?
0: Yeah, um, that's a good question. Well, first of all, this population crunch is here to stay. Um, You need decades to produce and raise a replacement generation, of course. But but China's trying. Um, In recent years, it began instituting a bevy of pronatalist policies. After lifting the one-child policy, China endeavored to make pre- and postnatal services and fertility treatments more effective, affordable, accessible. Uh, Childhood education has emerged as a key government focus and is now widely available across China. Um, Local governments further enacted subsidy programs for new parents and significantly extended maternity leave. China also has the highest abortion rate among the world's largest economies and is thus instituting restrictive measures, such as curbing abortions for non-medical purposes and banning sex-selective abortions. So this will likely reduce the amount of abortions going forward. But overall, these pro-natalist policies have not moved the needle much, if at all. So instead, China will look to manage a strategic demographic contraction by reorienting its economic fundamentals under its increasingly centralized political system. Uh, This includes emphasizing technology and innovation to reduce the need for workers and aligning increasingly educated but mismatched labor force with value-added sectors. So China will also uh, reform its retirement pension systems. China's statutory retirement ages are low. Uh, 60 for men, 55 for women, 50 for female blue collar workers. The central government has pledged to raise retirement ages as part of its uh, current five year plan, and this would add millions to the labor pool. Retirement reform will probably go forward piecemeal by region and occupation via experimental local pilot programs before a national reform is put in place. On the pension side, with Pensions coming from the state purse, mostly, and owing to what looks like a collapse of the system on the horizon, China has begun to develop a private pension and wealth management industry that, if successful, will ease the burden of a retiree-heavy population. Um, China will also look to reform its troubled real estate sector. Politically, China has shifted away from the rule-by-consensus model instituted in the 1970s in favor of concentrating power in the hands of one man, namely uh, Xi Jinping, This shift is a direct response to the various development challenges that China has been late to address. Um, A strong central government theoretically enables policymakers to be quick and decisive in addressing ongoing issues, while hopefully mitigating societal turmoil and democratization that often accompany middle-income transitions. So Xi's rise has thus not been a, a mere cynical power play, but is in fact a desirable state of affairs from a certain perspective. Uh, to most effectively deal with China's myriad problems while protecting the party's political monopoly. So China will prioritize strategically alleviating these various demographic challenges through top-down policymaking going forward.
1: Of course, it, it also faces some geopolitical challenges with its strategy, but that's another conversation, I guess. Yes, it is. Nate Fischler is an Asia-Pacific analyst for Rain Network. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. You can stay ahead of how China's demographic challenges could affect your business with RAIN Intelligence Briefs. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analysis they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes, all for a fraction of the cost you pay yourself. Sign up at RAINNETWORK.COM. That's R A N E NETWORK.COM. I'm Emily Donahue. Thank you for listening. Thank you.